Hey, 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 all of you, every one of you, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to another episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff May, and I uh, have cool friends. It's a very accurate title. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, have my guest with me, uh, a very, very cool and good friend of mine, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, uh, voice actor and incredible talent, Aaron LaPlante. Aaron, how you doing, bud? Hi, hi. That, what a great introduction. Thank you so much. How's it, it going? It would have been so much better if I didn't kick the wire out of my mic while I was introducing it, but that's oh, okay. I'm watching you here and I didn't, I, the grace is amazing. You just went right back into it. You know what? That's why I make the little bucks. That's why I, that's, <laughs> that's why, what's, what's happening, baby. I'm doing it, baby. So Aaron, you and I met actually uh, through uh, another guest of the show. We met through Dana uh, Gould. That's right. Yeah, it was at, uh, I believe it was at that um, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space reading, I think. It, it was it? It was either at Plan 9 from Outer Space, or um, I don't know if you had gone to the um, show that he did at Flappers, where Valerie I didn't talked. go to that one. Okay, no, no, so no, then no, it would have been the Plan one. 9 thing. And then yeah. we became we became really, really good buds. And, and it's fun. It's fascinating. Like, I, I somehow didn't know you, and now I see you all the time. Oh, really? Well, yeah, it's funny. There, It's interesting, too, about uh, in this day and age where we'll run into each other out, out and about. But then also, once if you run into somebody and you like them enough, then you start following them on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And then suddenly they become a part of your sort of daily routine if you are the type of person to check that stuff every day. And you kind of feel like you start to know somebody more. And then with you, I feel like it was like, I thought I knew you. And then I ran into you again. And I was like, well, I kind of don't. So let me get to know you. And then, of course, COVID happened. And yeah. so now we're all sort of like re-entering. And I, for me, I find that I'm like really trying to re-enter and realize that I never was really there to begin with. You know, <laughs> so. it, it is interesting because we have we've bumped into each other in very specific areas of life where our interests are are aligned in a very specific way. And a good oh, example yeah. for that is I've bumped into you in two conve- at two conventions recently. One, yeah. PowerCon, which is a He-Man convention. <laughs> yeah, and, I was there by myself. <laughs> and two, DesignerCon, which is like an independent artist uh, convention. Yeah, also there, I, I'm always the weird alone guy whenever you see me. <laughs> I'll usually, the, the, did, now did, when you go to like something like a PowerCon, did you um, f- look for anybody to come with you? And everyone's like, this sounds terrible. Or, um, I don't, I mean, like my girlfriends are really good sport about like she obviously is not completely on the other side of my interest but she's not really like completely invested in them she likes that i like them just for my sake but sometimes they're like you know i I took her to monster palooza one time and she had a terrific time but she was kind of like i'm good for a little bit like i don't need to go you know i don't need to go but and i think designer con i think that one is so open-ended and there's such a variety that i think almost anyone would get a kick out of that designer con is one of those conventions that i always tell people that they shouldn't miss yeah 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 because it also i think it broadens your artistic horizons a bit of like what you consider to be good or, or a lot of people are very mainstream in the things that they like you know, yeah, it's like sure. with like comic artists are like, I like Jim Lee or, or blah, blah, blah. And then when you start getting to these weirder, more esoteric, more risk taking yeah. artists. And when you start to see there's also just that sort of the uh, anytime you can be exposed to the DIY nature of things, then it inspires you to kind of do your own DIY, whatever that may be. I mean, you yeah. know, going and seeing all the creativity that these people just kind of that come up with out of a seemingly out of nowhere. And then I, you know, I go off and, and I, I've been starting to kind of like put together myself things that I do again, just being like, Oh, I should do what I do as opposed to like, think I don't have anything on any kind of like creativity and just be like, I actually do. It's all right here on my desk. It's well, well, that's fascinating because you do have a project that I did want to address um, uh, and, and what it specifically was. And I wasn't going to get into this until way later in the episode. We haven't even talked about the projects that you've worked on, oh, but, yeah, yeah, but well, there's yeah. this art project that you have, have started doing within the past few years where you obtain animation cells and, and specifically the ones I'm thinking of are from, uh, the real ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you lay out those animation cells over appropriate images from horror films. Yeah. Particularly. Yeah. And what it is, is what happened was I was, you know, Frankenstein collectible show. Anybody that hasn't, I'm sure they've heard, you've talked about it on this podcast before. Frankenstein's has been brought up. The irony is I've never had time to go. 
Oh, interesting. Well, that's yeah. something we should go do then. Absolutely. A chance. Um, but yeah, so great collectible show out in the valley. It's it, it's out in city of industry area, and uh, they have all these amazing booths. And there was this guy that had a bunch of animation cells. And you know, I kind of grew up um, a very early sort of fetishizing animation cells on the walls of the Warner Brothers store when oh, they yeah. were like five hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like thinking that that was you could physically hold a frame of that, of your favorite cartoon. So when I came upon this guy, he had 30, 40, $50 cells and they were from like He-Man and the Ghostbusters. And it just kind of blew my mind. So I bought a couple from him, but at the time I couldn't afford. So I only bought, bought a few and then, and then he disappeared. I didn't see him for years. And then finally, years later, I, I, I got in contact with him again. It was like, you know, do you have a bunch of cells still? And apparently he had this huge warehouse down in Orange County. So once a week, oh, is he the animation? Is he the animation ink archive guy? Yes, animation ink archive. I bought a bunch of stuff from him at PowerCon in like 2017 or 2018. Yeah, he's not doing it anymore. He sold all of his animation cells um, to another company out of I think Salt Lake, and they were actually at DesignerCon. I went up to their booth. And they I were saw a bunch of their cells. Aaron. They were right across from the booth that I was working at. Tweet. Oh, ahead. really? Uh, oh, really? Very funny. There's a very funny story about how when we were setting up our booth, they were setting up theirs. And oh, yeah. um, my very, very talented um, friend and kind of boss, uh, Dave Igo, who's like the creative director of Tweeterhead. He used to work. For yeah, Sideshow. yeah, I met him. Yeah. He's yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. You've met him a bunch of times, I think. Yeah. Uh, so Dave was so entranced by because they not only have animation cells, but they have um, the paintings. Oh, yeah. that oh, you yeah, would lay oh, yeah, this, yeah, like yeah. the background paintings and there was a pirates of dark water one oh my that God, they wow. had and like that's a pretty obscure cartoon all things considered i recognize that they had a marvel comic and that they were on for a couple seasons but not a lot of people really remember it and they had a painting there and it was expensive because it's a background painting and he was so like into it that he was like he was like okay i want it i want this so bad and he's like putting he's like i'll give you money down i'll pay and and afterwards, I said, Dave, did, did you know that they weren't going to sell that and you could have talked them down a little bit? And he's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, the con hasn't even started yet. And you paid full price for this thing. Yeah, and I was yeah, just, no, I was razzing him the whole time, but he got this piece that he's always wanted, which was like, well, it was, a, I mean, it was one of those moments, you know, that time when I used to go down there, cause I'd go down there like once a week and I'd basically just have a folder and I'd go through this warehouse spend the whole day going through this warehouse, open up boxes and finding these gems that the guy didn't even know he had and like bringing them back into his office and being like, did you know you had this? Did you know you had that? And so over the time I started collecting them and there was this one box of Ghostbusters cells that seemed to be the less desirable ones because all the their backs were turned and they were looking at something. And generally, you know, you want to see the whole character, certainly yeah. their face. So I took one of those and I was kind of like, I, this could, you know, what could uh what maybe what what could he be looking at and then the first it just popped into my head that the girls standing at the end of the hall and the shining the twins so i just i screenshot it it was on that the shining was on netflix at the time so i just screenshot on my computer printed out an eight by ten of that image and put it together and it was like holy shit, this is amazing so i went back and i was like hey can i get so then he sold them to me at a pretty good price because they were less desirable and i started gobbling those up but then I found a bunch of He-Man cells where the characters were walking in profile. They did that a like, lot. I they yeah. I have one of those actually, uh, like oh, one that right. I bought from him specifically because it had cloth. Oh. It was like the it was the Evil Warriors and Clawful was in there. I don't think, yeah, okay, I'm a big okay. Clawful fan, so of that course. Yeah, well, so I so I I put that together with Abbey Road, and it just worked perfectly. I put them on the the crosswalk and then walking across. And then I found different sizes. And then I found a bunch of Captain Planet and the Planeteers ones. So it was a bunch of uh, cells of the Planeteers looking distressed. So then I just paired those up with like scenes of extreme uh, pollution and garbage on the beach and stuff like that. that. And it turned out pretty fun. But then that sort of dried up. He moved to Vegas. He sold the collection. So I built up a little archive for myself. So that's what I meant before where I've got them here in this box and they just kind of sit there and every now and again i feel inspired to go and start putting them together again if anything because maybe someday i'll have a table at one of those things you know people might, dude uh, on honestly like that would be such a cool booth for you to have is to sell those because here's the thing i thought about like i was wondering like what you did and i'm glad you told me how you got those cells because those things are everywhere 
I yeah. like everybody I know somehow has one of your pe- like you have infected the yeah. the Burbank area of like I went into Dark Delicacies and I saw one there like I see your work all the time. Oh, but you know, it's fine. Well, because that's the thing. What I started to do with them, it was almost this way of, because I have a hard time, uh, I know the networking, you know what I mean? Like, or, or yeah. wrapping my mind around what that means in terms of just like, you know, not not so much like getting a lot of contacts, but making um, interesting people aware of my existence and vice versa. <laughs> and one of the ways to do that, there's a, well, you know, Forrest Ackerman, you've probably talked about him before. Forrest J. Ackerman, the publisher of Famous Monsters of Film Land. And I've never talked I, about him on, on the show before. Okay. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, sort of uh, the lightning rod of inspiration for an entire generation of monster kids. And I was listening to another podcast where they were talk, telling stories about him. And one guy said, you know, the first time I met him, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out this really neat little pin and he gave it to me. And it was so, it struck me as like, the first time I ever met Forrest J. Ackerman, he gave me something. And that really ring, rung in my head, like the people that I want to be around or know, I want to give them something, <laughs> you know what I mean? So they can see this cool thing and then maybe think about me. So when I was, sometimes when I work in voiceover, I'll uh, bring one or like people just, I, all these like mystic museum and places, I'll drop them off there. And it's kind of this, I, did, I don't know. I saw one there too. The, yeah. Like spreading the love a little bit. I, and that's, um, and I don't know, I hate to describe it as if I'm like trying to do something with it, but I guess I am trying to do something with it. It's like spreading the love, you know, I like the, I love the fact that you just told me that you see them all around. It's know? a, it's a, it is an interesting calling card, uh, yeah, where I'm just fun. like, uh, I have one of those, like, you know, it's like one of those yeah. great things where it's like, oh, I love that. Are you a, um, are you a, is gift giving like your love language? Is that? I think it is. And I yeah. think, well, you know, what's interesting too, is that, and I, I know, I know for sure you feel this is that we have these interests when we're younger. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sometimes we feel, cause we're in our own little bubbles or maybe we're from like a particularly rural area where we think that it's only for us. Very insulated. We get yeah. out in the world and then we start to meet other people. And then it becomes this beautiful, like secret handshake. We're like, you saw that movie. I saw that movie. Oh, you like that cartoon. I like that cartoon and so what's funny like after a while you know I, I i used to only think about like career stuff but i feel like now i'm starting to like every you know hopefully everybody tries to find sort of like a higher meaning and uh sharing and nostalgia and kind of spreading the love that way i feel like that just might be my higher meaning right now <laughs> i do you know I, mean? like, I, I love that i love that a lot actually that that is something uh you can relate i'm sure i, I sure relate. do and i'm a big i'm a big i'm a gift giver it, it's like I love doing it and it's actually it kind of infuriates the people in my life because it feels like I feel like they think they have to like compete like yeah. I hear that all the time you know with people I date or whatever they're just like well that's not fair like yeah yeah well it's you know a perfect you know perfect example of this you mentioned Dana before and the reason Dana I Gould, yeah, at all Dana Gould yeah is that I used to listen to his podcast I still do, of course, but I, I I didn't know him. I knew we knew some people, but I listened to his podcast a lot. And I was listening to it during a time that was particularly difficult for me, kind of lonely. And so I was listening to it all the time. And frankly, like him and, and the people that he had on there, it sort of gave me something to shoot for. I could sort of look up to them, you know what I mean? Like, because they were just this wave of comedians that were like <laughs> being cool and they weren't interested in getting up or being women or you know what i mean they were just like sincerely trying to like sometimes we're just nerds man so you know what i mean so i so i looked up to that and i heard a story on there where he said that his mom had made him uh, a werewolf mask when he was a kid out of a blank mask and some like uh, fur that she cut off her fur coat and glued it on there and i was so touched by that because it reminded me of my parents uh, sort of improvising Halloween costumes for me back then. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool? Cause he said he would give anything to have a picture of it or, or have it again. So I went out and I made like a facsimile of a, of a, a mask with craft fur and made it kind of like a mom would have made it on the fly. And it looked so good that I actually made one of those Ben Cooper boxes, those window boxes. I love it. Yeah. And then I was like, and I made this thing. And then I was like, I don't even know this guy. Like what the f- so I finally, I left it at Dark Delicacies thinking he would go in there sometime and pick it up. And he was signing his Planet of the Apes book. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go get it from Dark Delicacies and bring it. But he had picked it up that day 
And then we met and it was kind of this thing where I don't know if he really knows what to think of me from now on <laughs> because it was such a personal gesture that I feel like I kind of freaked him out a little bit. <laughs> but, that, uh, that happens. I think when you get to a certain level of celebrity, you 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 have to be a little wary, I think, of, of, yeah, of certain fans. Absolutely. But also it's not it's not hard to be able to discern the difference between somebody who is well-meaning and friendly versus somebody who's a bit overbearing. Well, yeah. And so when you talk about like gift giving, this is actually part of it. If you have the mentality of being like that, that has kind of gone out of style a little bit. So when you do that, if it's somebody you don't know very well, there is a little period of time where they do kind of go like, is this person, are they really that considerate or, you know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. Or am I going to be a rug? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I will also too, I think too, like with me, especially with Dana, it seems like now every time I've run into him since then, I always kind of show up and I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to say. I'm here. (laughs) But I mean, I I would say that that's not, but you should be, you should just, I mean, I, I would, I would classify you guys as friends at this point in time. You've been around each other. Like, yeah, for sure. I guess it's just, it's, it's a funny thing about like, as much as I, I, I have that want to sort of share in the nostalgia or like tap into somebody else's, you know, like it's always yeah. fun when you find out about somebody else's nostalgia. And then you, yeah, a lot of times what I do is I fill my closet up with just a bunch of shit. And then sometimes when I'm leaving for like a birthday party or something, I'll see something in there and be like, oh man, this person would really love this. And then I get to be the guy that like shows up with the perfect present, you know? One of the uh, things that I absolutely love to do is I will, like I Christmas shop year round. Yeah. I see stuff for people and I'm like, this is for them and I'll yeah. buy it in April. And then so, and then, but sometimes it becomes overbearing because by December I'm like, i think i may have picked up too much stuff uh yeah you're you're (laughs) like or you forget who you got what for yeah 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 like and it's definitely one of those situations too Uh, it's one of the reasons why i mean because you've been to mint on card you've been to my my oh yeah yeah yeah. and and i love i do we do raffles because i like giving things away i like people getting a little present that to me there's no there's no profit in that the raffles is free and it's just stuff that me and and lisa harden my co-producer um just kind of get together like we'll we'll, we'll just go find it like she'll be like oh i found i found this uh great uh you know what what did she say oh she found uh, a nintendo nes cartridge christmas or an nes controller christmas ornament to give away for our our next show which is in in december and uh and i was like i want it and i went <laughs> and i went and bought one because oh, i was cool. like i do want to give it away but I, I i absolutely love that um i do want to kind of go back to where i should have started and i did yeah, it which yeah. is your work um because you, you have a very you have a fascinating history in that i was looking up your imdb and something that I noticed, aside from the fact that you have some very uh, an interesting pedigree, is that it doesn't necessarily go back too far. You've been you've been an actor, you've been in some things, but it's really, really picked up in the past few years. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's one of those deals where I <clears throat> came came down here from Seattle, and I was in the theater in Seattle for about four years or something. And I moved down here, and then it was kind of the thing where you move down and, and I don't know anybody and I don't know, and I'm not, well, was never one to like hit the ground running with like headshots and all that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it took me forever to get an agent and um, forever to really get any proper, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. So it took a while. And I, when I first got down here, it was about, I, the idea of moving from one city and setting up shop in another seemed so foreign to me because I didn't really have too many family members that had done that either. So it took, I was sort of, I got here and it took me a lot of years to really get out at all, but I was working as a tour guide at Warner Brothers Studios. And when I was in there, yucking it up in the break room with some of the other tour guides some of them had come from chicago and they were starting a sketch group with the with their friends and so they let me join in and then we started a sketch team at io in hollywood and when we started doing those shows you know if you're doing a half hour comedy show and you're playing like five or six different characters of course you have quick costume changes but one of the best ways to differentiate between the characters in real time in front of an audience is to give them a distinct sounding voice Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause it changes the whole character, obviously the physicality as well. So I kind of, I sort of leaned into that a little bit, modulating my voice. It's kind of always been a thing with me ever since I was a little kid. And so 
Um, I sort of became known for doing that. And then that got certain people uh, around me who maybe knew uh, the casting directors or whatever to be like, well, you should meet my friend Aaron. So I met a voiceover casting director, a uh, really, really notable one named Mary Hidalgo. And we were supposed to have a 10 minute meeting and she wound, it was wound up being like three hours. We just talked about everything under the sun. And so then she said, well, I, if I don't have anything for you, but if I do in the future or whatever, and it was months that went by. And then finally she called me and said they were doing a Popeye movie at Sony and they needed somebody to do the pre-production scratch track recording that would ultimately be thrown out in favor of a famous person. Yeah. Was it so for I, Bluto? It was Bluto. Yeah. So I did Bluto. That was a hard, uh, that was a hard guess for me to figure out that you would have played Bluto. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, yeah. Well, the thing is when I first heard it, you know, there's two major Bluto voices. One of them is a little bit harsh like this. It's kind of a deeper version of Popeye. And then one of them is in the back of the throat. So then I just put the two of them together. You know what I mean? And that became the, the um, and he sort of talks out of the side of his mouth like this. And that became the voice. And I did that for like uh, two years or something, you know, helping out with that. And that was what sort of led me into the world of voiceover. So, yeah, it took me. A, I'm definitely a late bloomer in almost all aspects of my life. And my career is is is, it will, is, is, is still blooming. To be, to be fair, you do have some great live action credits, lest we forget KKK Santa. Oh, boy, from, that one. I, yeah, that one. And it's funny, that one may as well have just been a voiceover because I had a clan hood on yeah. in that one. And for, that was for that. Adam it's from Ru Adam Ruins Everything, uh, yeah. who uh, Adam has done um, Mint on Card. He's, oh, he's oh done great. That yeah, he, he was so nice to me. I didn't get a chance to, you know, of course, nice. he's at the helm yeah. of everything. Just he was the, the nicest guy. Legit, yeah. So like, and it was and he also was very sensitive to the yeah. fact that it was really just a big it was just a quick joke. But they put me in this clan robe at the beginning of the day and I was just sitting there by craft service in a fucking clan robe. And I finally went over and just said, can I take this off until we're ready? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. So, Please. As a matter yeah. of fact, like I mean, we it was would... a, all it was, was just a quick, it was like a quick thing. They said like Santa Claus uh, showed up in many events, even a KKK rally. And then a guy comes in and goes, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And then that, that's it. And uh, really it was more so just the voice, if anything. And I guess my imposing size. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very it works, and plus you're you're a voice guy. You can work that. You're a big dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you found yourself in in like some Digimon pieces. I would say that the piece I think that really starts to move you forward, in my opinion, when I look through here, is that you did get pulled onto Samurai Jack when they did the continuation. Yeah, which I'm, yeah, that that you're absolutely right about that because that was. I was doing all the scratch track stuff. And then, and then, you know, sometimes you start doing something and then of course people ask you about it. So then you start to kind of like tell the story of what you're doing to your inner circle. And then that goes off and suddenly people become aware of you as one thing or the other. And so when I was doing these scratch tracks, they would never see the light of day. I was certainly, I would get paid for them, which was great. But I mean, it, I never actually ended up in any of the movies, but as I was talking about it, certain people in my life would, would start to know me as maybe a voiceover guy. And so my friend, and Ryan became a, an engineer at a place called Studiopolis that does a lot of anime. And he was constantly pitching me over there. But they were like, we don't know him. We don't know him. So then finally, they had a show that was just monster sounds. And a lot of voice actors didn't want to do that, screw up their voice. But I have a pretty strong voice. And so I started doing that. And then I started doing, there'd be like one sentence characters. And he would let me do those. And so that's how I got on a lot of those like Digimon things. But then the Samurai Jack thing came up. And that was kind of a milestone for me because I had gotten, I was in a movie called Movie 43. I got cut <laughs> out of it. But it was... Uh, and that was how I got my SAG card. But then there was that period of time where it's like, you can join SAG. All you need is $3,000. And at the time I was like, three, who the f has $3,000? Like, how is that even possible? You know? Yeah. And so, uh, so I, it took me forever. But when Samurai Jack, when they said that I got to be on that, because I knew that um, Gendy, who I should say, Gendy was, Gendy Tartakovsky was the one who was doing Popeye. That's how I, that's how I met oh, Okay. Him. So he was doing it and he, so yeah, I didn't have to audition for it. It was a thing that he just want me to be on it, which was a, a huge lucky break, kind of terrifying because you don't know what character you're playing or, or whatever. You just kind of go, okay. And I went in there and I got to play like, I think four, four or five, maybe yeah, four or five characters in a few episodes of that. Yeah. And then, so that's going to lead to, I would say like, I don't know how to say, I wouldn't say highest profile, 
uh, piece that you, that you've done. It might be, but um, when you you came on as what is essentially the principal actor of Primal, um, yeah, yeah, because you know you played Spear uh, in Primal, yeah. which available on HBO uh, HBO Max. Uh, Absolutely, it yeah. That was uh, yeah. It was because after uh, Samurai Jack, it was one of those things where you know Gendy is just an absolute. He's a genius, but he's also just very, you know, serious about his work. He comes in there. There's no pretense. There's nothing extra. All it is is just we're working and we're working on something special. And so everybody's on board. But when I would leave, um, sometimes being an insecure uh, actor, <laughs> I would feel like uh, I just went on a date with a girl that's really out of my league. <laughs> you know too I mean? good like for I, you. So I would leave and just be like. I had fun. I think they had fun. Uh, I I call? Are they going to call me? You know what I mean? I just never knew if I was ever going to get to work with them again, but I've been lucky enough to work with Gendy on pretty much everything he's done. He'll always find a little place for me, which is just one of those, like, just eternally grateful and really, and really lucky. But so after Samurai Jack, it was Hotel Transylvania 2, Hotel Transylvania 3. I played the Gremlins in that. So that yeah. was kind of, a, you know, that uh, again was uh, sort of solidifying our relationship. And then uh, one time I just get an email from my agent and they say, you know, Gendy wants you to show up to Cartoon Network and come in there and just kind of, he's got a, he's got something that he's kind of working out and he needs you to come in. So I went in and uh, we went into the booth and we just kind of started playing around with, uh, human versus ape sounds kind of like a and like how human would it be versus how ape-like would it be because they still obviously had an idea of what they wanted to do yeah so we're doing that and i'm and he's trying to see how loud can i scream how deeply how how loud can i scream and still maintain a deep register in my voice and then you know uh what if it was a more conversational sound we're just kind of working it out and then after and he showed me a little bit of a graphic of what a spear would look like and then I just said, well, you know, like, uh, I'm down to audition. I'm down to throw in an audition. And he was like, there's no audition. You're th- like, this is, I had you in mind for this. Wow. I just wanted to make sure you could do it. And so I was like, cause he obviously, he has a clear vision, but I think at the time it was kind of like, he's remembering my voice, but he's remembering it like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, he's, I mean, yeah. you, 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 but there is something to be said though about like, you have uh you visibly speaking you have an intimidating look you're you're a, you're a bulky and strong guy you're ta- like you're what 63 64 65 yeah, yeah you're 65 yeah you're so you're you're i mean you're bigger than i am and yeah. and, and i when you see that and like it would make sense that when he was thinking of doing something that was very pardon the pardon but like primal very yeah, like yeah. caveman like those are the proportions that you're bringing to the table and so yeah. it must be an it must have been an easy transition for you but i mean this this show became this like unbelievable success yeah it was gr- i mean you know and seeing it well the interesting thing about it is yeah i mean i had no idea how it was going to be uh received but it you know like i and i obviously never really talk about the the like like when i was doing it initially obviously never said really a word to to but you would hear people talk you would hear people like when they started to advertise it and they say like there's no sound and there would be people, <laughs> there would be people saying man how are they going to do that a, a cartoon without dialogue and i was like all cartoons <laughs> used to not have dialogue. yeah i was like what are you talking even the old like when you what well, Bluto never had lines in the beginning. Well, and I, you know, absolutely. And also, too, I think that Samurai Jack, that fifth season, you know, I mean, Samurai Jack has always been a lot of um, action without any dialogue, a lot of just, you know, almost like an old Western or something. And so they really leaned into that in the fifth season, I feel, where there would be entire sequences where there's no dialogue at all. And it was pre- it was it was more violent, but not in a gratuitous way and in, in a very like, um, it's an action cartoon. It's an action cartoon. Yeah. So, so I guess when, when, you know, uh, anytime somebody would ask me like, well, how, you know, how's that going to work? And I'm like, I don't know, just watch season five of Samurai Jack like that, you know, like, I mean, and Gendy has said this before, so I'm not speaking out of school, but originally the idea was a little kid and a dinosaur. It was going to be like a kid oh, show. Oh, like, uh, like devil dinosaur, basically something like, so it was going to be a kid show and it was kind of like, well, he had done Samurai Jack and he'd done what he wanted. He made it a little bit more sort of, there was a, it was a little bit more violent and and a little bit more like a sort of like a dance like a violent dance really if anything and so I think uh, 
you know, and I think he's always wanted to do something that was a little more, bit more adult in that sense. And also just like really uh, heartfelt. And I mean, there's a lot of heart in everything he does, but um, yeah, but I mean, Primal's heartbreaking. You hate to, you hate to sort of say it in a way that, that sort of like belittles other properties and projects that have been worked on before, but it has a much, it has a designer con vibe. It has a much more independent vibe to it that it is bucking the animation systems that came before it it is it is avoiding the pratfalls that a lot of animation has had before which as you said before he's a genius of of course that's yeah. going to be the case i mean samurai jack is what it is because it's it's not it's a it's a hyper stylized future samurai techno organic nightmare show it's it's amazing yeah. and then to do something like this which is the total opposite um yeah well and it's so funny too because uh at the premiere um i was just standing there like a worm like i usually do and i was just like oh i don't i don't know what to do i don't know how to be and uh, i saw um Gendy's wife and i and i run into her whenever there's a, whenever we do thing i always run in and of course go, go over and say hi and i my girlfriend and I were standing there and, and we, we were chatting with her and then we just said, you know, why, um, why this? I mean, did you, like, why did he do this show? Is he really, was there some kind of grand inspiration that you could sort of see? And she just kind of looked at me and went, he likes cavemen and he likes dinosaurs. I don't know. That's <laughs> the just, simplest was, answer you could possibly get to. But it was great because like that is, but that's a lot of times we see these crazy elaborate properties of these works of art. And then we think that that idea must have been an elaborate eureka moment yeah. when in fact it could have been just a simple observation, staying true to one's own likes and leaning into that and just making what, you know, I mean, some of the greatest filmmakers ever will just say, I make the movies that I liked when I was a kid. I, you know what I mean? Like it's sometimes it's very simple. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's like George Lucas being like, I like flash Gordon. I like Kurosawa. I yeah. mashed, I mashed them together. And, yeah. that, and that's what yeah. I got. Um, and, yeah. and that to me, I think is, is very interesting where it's, it's that like, and it's also becomes like the necessity being the mother of invention. And sometimes that necessity is I want to do the, what I like. I yeah, want yeah. to do, I want to do a project that's based entirely on the things that I like. But the other thing that people seem to forget is that dialogue free animation or art in any way it is so much harder because you have to process what points you're getting across through a visual and, and non emotive. Yes, but non verbal way of doing that yeah so. and it's so amazing to see how they do it i mean a perfect example would be um sometimes when you see like if you saw uh, in the show if you saw like a giant threatening um scary tyrannosaurus rex and you'll see the character and the character will not move a muscle only these tiny little dots its pupils and its eyes yeah, and will dance around in its eyes and give so much expression and the, the character isn't e even moving or doing anything. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. I mean, this show, the thing about it is I'm obviously excited to be in it, proud to be in it. But one of the things that just tickles me about it is I feel like it would be that it is going to be, if it's not already a lightning rod of inspiration for generations, new generations of storytellers and animation I, I i sincerely hope just in a selfish way that one day 20 years from now i'll be watching an interview uh, of a, a young man or young woman and they will say i i one of my favorite shows growing up was a show called primal you know what i mean like that sort yeah. of like pedigree of influence I, I like if anything if i have that's what i want to be a part of is is something that will sort of like push the inspiration forward it won an emmy <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah well that was another surprising and it was funny that i found out about that after i saw you at PowerCon. uh we had a conversation i stepped out of the thing i wasn't looking at my phone the whole time and i checked it and i saw gendy holding the emmy and i was like whoa and the thing about it is the at the television academy there's always like all these sort of waves of awards you know what i mean like yeah. people are like hey i won an emmy yeah but it's october you know what i mean like there's just like there's different tiers and so the primal had already won you know some like there was one for like storyboards and there was another for there was a few technical um 
Emmys. And so when I saw him, I figured that was what it was that they were finally giving him the technical Emmy that he had won. But the fact that it won the big one, the, the best <laughs> anime, I was that was just I couldn't believe that. It was so cool. And deservedly so. We're going to do a shift uh, for a second from animation to uh, video games, which is something oh, yeah, that, yeah. that you've been a part of. Um, but the first thing first, uh, I don't know if you know this, Aaron, but uh, if you uh, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash Jeff May, uh, and if you do the $10 tier, you become a producer of this show. And what that means is that I say your name out loud uh, on episodes of Jeff Has Cool Friends because I appreciate you. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a list of names. These are my producers that I want to say an extra special thanks to. Uh, and then we're going to talk more about your um, dive into uh, the world of really intense fandoms in gaming. Um, but I would like to thank, uh, send a special shout out to Mike Gouts, Grumblebee, Cronenberger, Jeff Hurl's Concussive Force. There is a uh, there's a thing now where people like to take the JHCF, which is what I call the show, and mm -hmm. add things in there. So that's a nice uh, punching reference, and I like it. Farty Marty, a.k.a. Fartholomew Martinez, These Seven Bs, Lemming Malloy, Kool-Aid Molotov, Superman Family Number 184. Uh, that's somebody's favorite comic. Do you have a favorite individual comic issue? I think, um, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not as familiar with comics, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm sad, sad to say. It's okay. Show's over. Nice. <laughs> uh, thank you to that scene in Meet Joe Black, where Brad Pitt dies. Uh, Godzuki, the animated child of Godzilla. Good to know. I'm the law, martial law, and I hate superheroes. Mr. Billy Beck, there were raptors in the kitchen, Phil. People died. Kimball, your Yuletide retail goblin. Get vaccinated, you chuckleheads. The 5G lets you see sound, and then you can see your friends again. Let's go. I feel like that's a bit outdated, but you should still be getting uh, vaccinated. Shout out to Black Agar Baltagon. Shout out to Big Booty Boy for 2069. <laughs> Jeff hates competitive fun, you bastards. Patrick Dore, the digital Phil, the bollock, Caitlin Binney, L stuck in a shipping container outside LA, Seldo, RIP to all of our stuff. Uh, the Ian McClendon. Jez Butt's fiance is going to be a mom. Congratulations to Jez Butt's fiance. Uh, craft beers make my alcoholism look like a neat hobby. Hi, I'm Super Fudge, and welcome to Fudge-a-mania. Meth J, bold and brash, more like belongs in the trash. Russell from Jersey, pizza, bagels, Taylor ham. That's a fun one, right? Uh, uh, many thank you too. You live by the vertigo. You die by the vertigo. Uh, Jeff May is never going to have a history podcast, guys. Believe me, I asked very nicely, and that's true. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I, I let. I don't care if I don't get rich doing a hardcore history. I just. I don't want to. That's work to me. Uh, is it rude to use this bit to ask for comedian Keith Carey? By now it is, but it's fine. Cody Beck Jr. at Gavin underscore not with two T's. Jessica Robertson, Captain Fat Strong, Gregarious Gregorio, the AV Foundry, AV Foundry, excuse me, Domo Arigato, Andrew Rabato, Gray Man of the Fireside Chronicles. Ricky Cilantro at Nerd Numbers, Mackenzie Chill, Willem Defoe's Baffling Big Bonanza, Dan Hackroyd, Murph the Murph, show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Russell Richardson, the sass stan, Sophia Hapgood, psychic services, the ghost of Dave Thomas, Koi Fam, art and mentoring, frankly Amish, Bart Fartigan, Jennifer Fendelander, the most well-prepared dead guy. I didn't kill my wife. Adrian, <laughs> Kelly Stanaway. I would like to add that you are cradling a dog while I'm going through this. And I yeah, love every my little baby. It is like a baby as I am watching that. And that is fantastic. Uh, shout out to Adrian, Kelly Stanaway, Silius Ruby, Steven, Dr. DNA, Burrito Mouth, twitch.tv slash Firechild460, Lisa Harden, my co-producer at Mint on Card, Huey Freeman, Taurus Bulba, Mindfreak555, Shebrew Sleeps, Norm from Cheers, Vortispin. Norm from Cheers, by the way, special shout out to him. He finds all the curse words in the shows ah, and then I, 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 I said the F word before. I it's fine. He, he, no, no, no. Because on the Patreon, we can swear. So it's oh, just okay, when the episodes okay. go for free, we bleep them out. And shout out oh, to Norm okay. from Cheers for being my curse word. Uh, eagle, I guess, would be the words. Sentinel. Uh, Vortispin, Normal Man, Andrew McGuire, Jolly Buckaroo, Dill Havarti. That's my favorite cheese. What's your favorite cheese, Aaron? Um, I like a I like an aged white cheddar, like an Irish uh, cheddar. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's like a sharp Irish cheddar. That's right. It's <laughs> the most flavorful thing to ever come out of Ireland. 
Um, <laughs> exploding runes. JK, Jeff May's biggest fans. Fashizless Jones, David Knifeboot Henson, Funky J, Saint Gutfree. Instagrams at Bob underscore of underscore skull, an action figure of Clippy. Is that a threat? No, that's a promise. C2E2 AM Adventures, an NFT of He-Man Skull f***ing Skeletor. All right. Where's Bane? Children love the meat, Millie. Flesh, your friend. And finally, Poinsettia Jingle p***. So shout out to all of those creative uh, <laughs> those creative names. Those regular. It's always got to be funny to start with like Mike Gouts. It's just a dude's name. And then finish yeah. with Poinsettia Jingle p***. Uh, you know, I've, like I said, I've listened to uh, some episodes of this and uh, the, the, those names have just gotten so much more elaborate. They, they've really amped them up. It's a, it's a, it right. might be a problem, actually, I'm just <laughs> that level of, of being amped up where it's like, uh, but I do love that. And again, if you uh, want to hear your name uh, read off like that, you can check out patreon.com slash Jeff May and sign up for that $10 producer tier while while it lasts. Uh, I, I, I'm not 100% sure that that there's going to be enough space in there much longer. I only left options for like a hundred of them and then most of them are gone. And that even seems a bit much. I might cut that back eventually, but for now, <laughs> give me that money. I need daddy needs the money. Do Christmas it. is coming up. So <laughs> yeah, we got the holidays on our way. Now I want to talk to you again. I want to shift to um, the fact that you are now a member of the resident evil family. Yeah, it's crazy. You play so cool. the Duke. The Duke. I play the Duke. Tell He's me, the, tell me about that. So, so <clears throat> that was one of those things where, because you know, we talk about like, I'm sure that some people that are uh, listening to this want to, you know, like think about like how do they get into voiceover? How do they, you know? And I feel like a lot of times, just in the in this business in general, is there's things that you do and things that you get for yourself, and then there's things where you just kind of show up and you are in and around an environment. And then you little by little, like that thing I talked about where I started talking about doing voiceover and then people in my circle kind of found out that that's what I do. And there was a girl um, that I knew in high school uh, and, and we knew each other a little bit after high school, but we were kind of separate because we, we moved to Seattle. She was going to the University of Washington and I was uh, just doing theater in town. Where are you and from? So Where are you from? Seattle. I, oh, I'm okay. from Lake Stevens, Washington. Okay. An hour north. Cause I didn't know if you moved to Seattle from like Chicago oh, or if you sorry. moved. To... Yeah. Yeah. I moved to Seattle from, yeah, from about an hour North and, and so did she, but she was in school and I was doing this other thing. And so when I moved down here, we had kept in contact and she came down here and she, um, just a total random happenstance got involved. She played Marguerite Baker in Resident Evil 7, who is, she's like one of the main villains mm -hmm. in Resident Evil 7. And, uh, and I, you know, it's, we did, I found out about it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Congratulations. I can't wait, wait to play it. Then, you know, a little while went by and then she emailed me and said, so I was working on uh, seven. And then after it was over, I sort of offered my services to be like, well, you know, look, I could always, you know, use a job. And so if you guys need any help uh, behind the scenes or maybe in casting or whatever. And one of the producers said, well, we always have trouble getting, you know, like really good actors. I mean, there's a lot of actors around, but like get, getting actual good ones, it could be kind of difficult sometimes. So do you know that's like such like, a wonderfully shady thing to say where it's just I mean, like, it is. But I mean, throwing shade, not shady like. Uh, no, I mean, it, but it is that is kind of the truth. I mean, most actors, what they're up against is not a crazy competition from other good actors, because then it's like, whatever, you'll get it or I'll get it. The problem is it's all the actors that um, flood the casting director's offices and just completely um, uh, alienate themselves, make casting directors hate actors. And then, and then you show up. I mean, it is a really, I'm being right now. I'm sorry, but that's kind of like, I feel like. That no, trust me. I work in this, I work in this world too. And you see it yeah, like the, yeah. the, it's funny. Be, and, and like, there's a lot of like, yeah, the people that they're very squeaky wheels out there too. That will. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's people. also good people, just like people that are, you know what I mean? People that are, uh, cause you could be like a really good actor, but there's people that, I've seen it a lot where people are like a really good actor, but they're a really horrible person and they know they're horrible. So they're just like, well, at least I'm a good actor. Watch this, you know? And, and so I think they really over there, cause Capcom is not a Capcom's not a huge corporation. It's a family owned company. And so it's relatively, I mean, it's not small, obviously Capcom's not huge, yet. but they really care a great deal about like getting good people to collaborate with. And, and, you know, Sarah, luckily she has a, 
you know fond thoughts of me so she was like i know this guy Aaron. he's you know he's a he's a good guy and you should meet him or whatever and so i auditioned for it but i auditioned for a really small part like in the very beginning of the game and the things always sort of change but i auditioned for this one small part and uh sarah called me the next day and she said you didn't get it and i was like oh well, that's all right thank you i mean i i usually that's whatever i usually don't get it and she was like they're saving you for like a, a, a bigger part which that's something that like you can hear sometimes, but that's very, very rare. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And what's interesting about the process get involved with one of these things is that it is so, so secretive that you just kind of show up when they ask you to show up and just kind of do whatever they ask you to do. But most actors, you know, that, that, that really famous text about acting an actor prepares is very aptly named because in my mind, that's all an actor does. Yeah. is become aware of a predetermined situation, prepare it enough to where it doesn't sound predetermined, and then perform it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes like you would get this 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 copy, this audition copy, and it was kind of vague. You didn't know what the character was about or what, you know what I mean? And actually the copy isn't even what's going to end up in the game because they have to be so secretive about it. So It's wild I, to me. It's amazing. So for me... I was auditioning and the scene that they had written was there's a guy in the middle of battle and then another guy comes around the corner and says like, hey, do you want some advice? Like that was basically the scene. And so I did it. But when I did it, they described him as being this giant guy who who has the who has this crazy sounding voice and sort of deep. And then so my choice to when I auditioned for it. I did like kind of a, and they said they wanted an Eastern European accent. So I did like a Hervé Villachez with an Eastern European accent. So it sounded like this. So that's the tattoo from when you say Hervé yeah, Villachez yeah, 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 from Fantasy, uh, Island. Fantasy Island. Yeah. The, the so plane, was, the plane guy. Yeah. So it was like, I've been laughing for you, Mr. Winters. That was the original. And when I auditioned for the part, um, I got the part using that voice. So then I thought like, boy, this is a video game. And by the way, I didn't know what video game it was for the entire time I was auditioning for it. So then when I got the part, I thought, okay, I'm going to go in there and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the, that voice. And when I first got there, again, you don't really get a chance to see the lines and stuff. It's not like in a traditional script form. It's like sentences on an Excel spreadsheet and they give you context before you say every line. And what's amazing is when you say the lines, that's the final performance. <laughs> that's what's going to end up in the game. You know what I mean? Which is such an interesting thing to remember about voice actors is like you go in there and sometimes you don't have like any benefit of rehearsal. There's not another actor there. You're not wearing a costume. You're not on a set. I mean, like with Primal, it's like he, you know, I have to just go from sitting there and drinking tea to then the most intense expression of emotion I have in me. And then go right back to just drinking tea and waiting for instructions and getting back into it again. I, I, I wanted to ask about that too, real quick. And and I and I know I don't want to keep ping ponging back between these two projects because they're I think they're both equally important, but two very different projects. But yeah. with the primal thing, like how what does that do? Does that wreak havoc on your on your vocal cords? Like to do something like that, and like I'm assuming that the recording sessions weren't half an hour. There, I get them done in about 45 minutes to an hour, and uh, I just prepare a lot. It's almost like you're preparing yourself to injure your voice in a way, but not, I mean, it, you know, there's a, a lot of warming up and stuff, and I'm kind of doing it. I mean, I'm watching YouTube videos and kind of learning about how to warm up your voice. I taught Fred Tatashore. I, I, I wouldn't say we're friends, but I know him, and he's the voice of the Hulk. He's been the voice of the Hulk for years. And uh, he does every like big, crazy, scary uh, uh, voice of, in a video game or whatever you can think of. Yeah. And he drinks this stuff. I actually have some right here. It's a special uh, cough syrup that I get in Chinatown. It's not it's all um, holistic, but it's got marshmallow roots and all kinds of shit in it. So it, I mix that with water and it helps me out. But luckily, I only have to record Primal once every like month and a half because mm -hmm. usually you would do a voice and then they would animate to that voice. But with Primal, it's it's reversed. The animation is already completely done. And then I come and I'm the oh. last, like I come and record the voice. So I'm, it's like ADR. I'm watching yeah. the character do the thing and I have to approximate his intensity. What, uh, going back to that reaction of doing a nonverbal voice acting gig, like, is it 
treated the same way as having like lines i guess like well, is it treated that way by through like union standards uh, oh like, yeah is yeah. it because i was wondering about that like is it considered like sound effects as opposed to lines or no yeah i think that they luckily i mean yeah they just I, they just counted as like a regular you know like a regular working day like any other voice actor would do and <clears throat> which is nice yeah that it's not that it's not because uh, that is something too about voice acting or any sort of work that anybody does in this business is like some work you get paid what's right and other work you just kind of don't you know yeah. but in this one this is all very above board you know this is very like they 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 really they and they and they they really value me which i which i really they're just really uh, cool to me you know they really value i think because i i you know it's funny that you talk about maybe not everybody could do that with their voice but i think when i first got into it i was thinking about people like fred standing right next to me doing it better than me you know because i'm well aware that there are these incredible voice actors been doing it for a long time and they mostly do like sounds and Fred, I mean, Fred could do this part standing on his head, but luckily I got to do it. But as I do it a little bit more and more, I start to feel like, oh, well, maybe I am uniquely qualified for this character specifically. Exactly. Like there are voice actors in like when you think about like the pantheon of voice acting and you think about your, you know, your Frank Welkers and your Oppenheimers and all these people that have been in all these properties that we, we've watched and that had all these skills. But they might not be great for the thing that you're great for. And I think mm -hmm. that's a great lesson for everybody, which is we're all good at something, yeah. you know, and that to, to recognize and understand that and act accordingly, I think, and to find that, like I, I was teaching for a decade before I got into stand up, and, yeah. you know, I know there are certain things about me that I'm very good at. And I know there are certain things about me that I am terrible at. I yeah. think I'm a really good comedian i think i'm really bad at being a comedian if that makes sense oh, like i'm good oh I'm, my god that's i'm gonna steal the f out of that like i feel the same way i'm like, great at the skill of getting people to laugh while i'm holding a microphone yeah. and standing in front of them i'm bad at getting seen i'm get i'm bad at sending booking requests i'm bad at booking my own tours like i'm terrible at it that's see that it's interesting because that actually kind of <laughs> that sort of translates back to resident evil a little bit because yeah. with resident evil you know and so what i was saying before is that i had that crazy voice mm -hmm. i tried to do it in the first session and then went whoa whoa whoa, wait a minute no the voice doesn't have to be that crazy and there's no accent now so we just kind of came up with the voice in the room which is another thing that happens a lot yeah and yeah. again i didn't know what this was for <laughs> you know what i mean like until finally i said what game is this for by the way and somebody said resident evil 8 dude like i think they thought i knew and i was like because immediately when they said resident evil 8 i immediately was like i'm 12 years old i'm in my sleeping bag i'm at my <laughs> friend's house we're having a summer party i'm pissing myself with fear but i don't want the other guys to know we're we're walking down the hall we're about to open the f door you know what i'm yeah. sorry that was another one i'm sorry no no but you're I allowed to curse oh, okay, okay i like okay. to punish the people that do not join on the Patreon by making them hear the bleep. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a pure punishment for people that don't want to pay that. me directly. It's think of it as like a hostage situation. Ah, nice, nice. Okay, well, so it was, so, you know, Resident Evil, and then, of course, all those movies and stuff. So Resident Evil is kind of a thing because, you know. It's mildly popular, you're right. It's it's yeah. slightly popular. When I, well, you know, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my uh, work up until that point um, has been a lot, you know, a lot of explaining people go, uh, what, uh, oh, you're a voice actor, what, you know, what are you in? And then I have to really just kind of go through the, if, if they really are interested, go through the litany of anime stuff that even I'm not even familiar with. And then, <laughs> you know, talk about primal and, ex and describe what I do. And sometimes people do go, wait he doesn't talk he just you just make the sounds and i go yeah but it's hard i mean the sounds are hard i promise you yeah it's <laughs> you still I mean? work man come on yeah but uh but so this was like this was the first time really uh and and, and sort of a, a first time that uh somebody could say what have you been in and i could say something and and no matter if they were into games or into whatever they knew what that was and so that was kind of a cool feeling and in so doing it was the thing that gave me the most because when primal came out that show is about that animation it's about that character the storytelling the music all of the visual components auditory components are all there but it's not about the voice it's not about like people go oh man a lot of people would tell me like when primal comes out man you're really gonna blow up and, and the idea of blowing up just makes me want to throw up like like i like i like you were saying i'm not good at that like 
it's not what it's about. I would love to be notable in a sense that I get to work more. I mean, that's yeah. Like if no, I'm no, no. That's that's the part of blowing up is getting more work and getting paid more. Like yeah, so like that would be cool. Yeah. But like anybody sort of turning any attention towards me. So with this coming out, this has been the first time. But the, the lesson that I have learned, especially in this day and age, is that the visibility skyrockets, and it's all and it's up to you if you want to push it forward or not. Yeah, and that's actually something uh, not, not for nothing. Uh, but that's what we're going to address actually in the bonus uh, content in oh, uh, nice. for Patreon okay. is we're going to talk about your reactions to very specific forms of attention. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, among perfect. other things, okay, that's perfect. that's definitely uh, one of those things that we'll uh, get there. So what what I do want to do, though, I want to talk about uh, what you have, if you have anything coming up that you can promote. Yeah, your yeah, world yeah, is very sure. secretive. But if there's All anything right. that we can steer towards. Well, I will just say that, uh, you know, there's there's a, a Hotel Transylvania four is coming out that I played the gremlins in that. And that was that was a bit delayed, but it's coming out. It's going to be actually on. uh uh, Prime. This one's going to be on Prime, and and that's going to come out pretty soon in a couple of weeks, actually. And um, so, if you're fans, you know, if you've got kids that are fans of that, or you like those yourself, those are really fun. And I don't even remember what my. I mean, I know that I did the Gremlins, but I'm not sure what the context was. But so it should be. But it sounds like a fun idea. They're, they've taken it in that direction, and then also Primal. The second season of Primal is going to be coming out. I don't know when. Um, but, uh, I'm not going to dare ask you, uh, for any information about that because I recognize what an NDA is and I don't want oh, anybody, yeah, no, yeah. I don't want anyone getting sued or losing a job because well, of this it's, podcast it's funny because I used to make sort of the mistake of just kind of like when I would be in the sessions or whatever at the end, be like, all right, guys, well, you know, <clears throat> that was really fun. And, uh, when, when's this thing coming out? And they all kind of like, look at each other, like. Um, I don't not I, I, you know because the the release date is always very secretive. So, but I but they did say that it would be like coming in in um, yeah. 2022. Great. So at some point because they and also that was another thing when they released Primal, they released it in kind of a, a unique way. They did like the first five episodes and then like four five months later they did the next five of the first season. Whereas this one, they've all been, yeah. I, for the most part, I think they've all been recorded. And so they might release them a little bit more traditionally. Could I'm be. not sure, though. Yeah, it's funny. Masters of the Universe Re Revelations uh, has a very has a very similar thing where they did the first parts and the, the first five. Oh, and yeah, the second yeah, five, yeah, Which, right. uh, by the way, uh, peek behind the curtain, uh, those five, the part two dropped this morning. Uh, oh, of, of, cool. as of recording because we're I know the episode I know it's November 30th if you're listening to this but yeah. it's November 23rd right before Thanksgiving because there was no oh, way I was going to be able to find a guest during the Thanksgiving weekend it wasn't going to oh, happen yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but yeah so uh, if you haven't seen it yet uh, the Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2 is up and uh, fantastic and I know you're a He-Man fan, so. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. My um, gosh, so uh, everybody, if you want to, which of course you do, uh, you're going to need to follow Aaron LaPlante on social media because he loves attention. Find him at Twitter at Aaron LaPlante with an E at the end, L-A-P-L-A-N-T-E-5. So Aaron LaPlante 5 on Twitter uh, and on Instagram, a slightly harder but much more endearing uh, handle and that is Duder three D O O D E R three. So find him on Instagram and Twitter. The, Facebook maybe don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't do Facebook. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Li, li, no, nobody. What are we? Grand, what are we? Really grandparents? I don't even really do Twitter either. I suppose I should. I mean, that's. We'll talk about that, I guess, just in the, the other episode about like navigating that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, mostly just Instagram. Yeah. And uh, on my end, of course, you can follow me on social media at Hey There Jeffro across Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you feel free to get that. Uh, you can also check out my other shows, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, as well as You Don't Even Like Sports and Unpopular Opinion, both on the Unpops Network. You can also check out Mint on Card. It's back. Live comedy is yeah. back. And I do a comedy show in a collectible and comedy comic and toy store uh, at uh, Blast from the Past in beautiful Magnolia in Burbank. Our holiday show is going to be December 10th, and we have a murderous row of lineup there. So you're going to want to come check that out and get some holiday shopping in. Uh, if you are a Patreon stick, uh, a patron, excuse me, stick around because we got a little bonus content where we're going to tie Aaron to John Mulaney, and then we're going to talk about fan interactions as well. Uh, so uh, if, if you're not listening to it on the Patreon, then 
we'll see you in two weeks with another great guest. Thank you for listening. I appreciate, adore, and love you. And I hope your holiday season is going fantastic. Aaron, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.